today's cruel culture and wounded world, you deserve some good news. And Jesus has taken the punishment for every single person that's in this room. He put the curse in reverse. And just like Adam turned a garden into a grave, Jesus turned a grave so into a garden. So now it's just grace upon grace upon grace and favor upon favor upon favor. But we're still here. And we're still standing. And we got Jesus, so we've got the victory. What's going on, guys? Happy Good Friday and happy Easter weekend. And I, I know you guys are having an amazing time um, worshiping with your family and your churches as, as we've started out this weekend with Good Friday. We just finished up some worship experiences at uh, Calvary Church in Wallace, North Carolina. Uh, as we start out our uh, Easter celebrations in preparation for Resurrection Sunday. But I want to end uh, Good Friday with a thought for you. Man, it's something that's really been kind of burning in my heart and on my mind today. And man, I consider myself to be a tough guy, you know, a pr pretty tough guy. Like I I've sustained a lot of things in my life, uh, loss of family members, a father at a young age, and different things like that. And even in the physical sense, in my own body, I mean, I, I can't tell you the countless amounts of injuries that I've had. I mean, you know, a torn meniscus in one knee and hip pointers and uh, broken both hands, actually my right hand, broken fingers on it multiple times, you know, broken wrists and bone fragments in my elbows from years of lifting weights and playing sports and stuff like that, subluxed or dislocated my right shoulder, I think it was eight times and my left shoulder three times, twinges and burners up my neck from uh, my spinal spine snapping down on my spinal cord and, and playing sports and different things like that. I mean, man, I've sustained a lot of injuries and I've done those things over the course of, of my sporting career. But when I think about the crucifixion of Jesus Christ, this very day, over 2000 years ago, he suffered all of those things at what seems like all at the same time from millions of different people, meaning he took our sins upon his, his, his body. And I can only imagine what that felt like. I can only imagine what that was like, bones being twisted and the asphyxiation, and nails driven into his hands and his feet and being pierced in his side and a crown of thorns upon his head. I can only imagine the physical anguish in which Jesus went through. And Good Friday is normally a day where, I'm, I'm just going to be honest, I, a lot of times I used to struggle because I would always make the statement and I kind of walked throughout the day of Good Friday thinking about Jesus saying, that was supposed to be me. But here's the good news, believer. Here's the revelation. It was you. Galatians 2.20 says, and I'm going to read it. I've got my Bible right here. Galatians 2.20 says, I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. So beloved, when Jesus died on the cross, it was supposed to be you and it was you. The old you died. Here it says, 
for I have been crucified. This is Paul talking to the Galatians. These are Gentiles. This is after the cross. So on this side of the cross, you are the new creation. The old you did die. You died on the cross in Christ Jesus. For I have been crucified with Christ. And it's no longer I who lives. And the life that I now live, I live by faith in the Son of God. The life that we all now live as believers, as Christians, as followers of Christ, as disciples of Christ, it's not our life. It is the life of Jesus Christ. It is the holy, righteous, blameless, guiltless, perfect life of Jesus Christ. Now, don't get me wrong. I know that we're not perfectly saved or perfectly behaved, rather, but we are perfectly saved. I know that our behavior is something that we're working on in our soul realm. Our mind is being renewed. Our will is being realigned every single day to align with the will of Christ Jesus. Our, our soul is being informed by our senses and by the spirit. And we get to choose which one we're going to walk by. Are we going to walk by what we feel, our senses? Or are we going to walk by faith? Or are we going to walk by the spirit that leads us? So it's, 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 we understand that we are now, uh, we're not perfectly behaved, but we are perfectly saved. I understand that we're learning and growing in the way of behavior, but we are perfectly saved. And the life I now have is not my life. It's the life of Christ Jesus living in and through me. And the life I now live, I live by faith. I live by believing. One time the disciples came to Jesus and, and they asked him, what are the works, plural, that we must do in order to, what, what, what is it that we must do to do the works, plural, of Jesus Christ, the works of the Father? And Jesus replied by simplifying it and singularizing it by taking the S off of the N. And he said, the work, not the works, but the work is that you believe. So the life we now live, we live by faith in the Son of God, in Jesus Christ, Christ in me and me in Christ. For I have been crucified with Christ and it's no longer I who lives, but Christ lives in me. And the life which I, that I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave his life for me. Beloved, you need to know that Jesus loves you because he loves you because he loves you. It doesn't matter what you've said. It doesn't matter what you've done. It doesn't matter what you ever will say or what you will do. It's not about your behavior. It's about your birth. And when you are born, you are born into sin. When you're born, you're born in Adam. But because you have now become a believer, and if you are not a believer, when you do become a believer, because I'm speaking it by faith, you will have a blood transfusion. You will have a heart transplant. You will be translated from the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of his dear son. You will have a location change where you're taken out of Adam and placed into Christ. And he loves you because he loves you because he loves you. And he loved you so much that he gave his life for you and for me. And beloved, we were there too. If you are a believer in Christ Jesus, the Bible says that you have been crucified with Christ. So on this Good Friday, understand this simple statement, this simple notion, this simple truth. It was supposed to be you on the cross. 
And it was. Because once you came to the recognition and acknowledged Jesus Christ, the Bible says you were invited to die with him. You have been crucified with Christ in the life you now live is not one of your own making, but the life of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Blessings on this Good Friday and blessings throughout the remainder of this weekend as you celebrate the resurrection. Be blessed. Jesus is alive and well. What do we have from what we've heard today? The arguments we've heard here today for the objection to Christ are no different than what we hear from the world of unbelievers every single day. There is no God, and this can all be explained by science. Well, I say, so you believe in air. He said, I am the breath of life. You believe in food. He said, I am the bread of life. You believe in water. He said, I am the living water. You believe in light, and he said, I am the light of the world. Those are just a few things that science lays claim to. So if science is based on Jesus, who is God, then yes, you are right. They may say, if God is real, why does he let murder and disease and illness and all these other bad things happen? If he's so mighty, he could stop it and why won't he? And I say to that, he could stop it. But if he did, that would give you no reason to believe that somebody could. He allows these things to happen so we can make individual decisions to try him and to trust him when everything else fails. Believing there's some spiritual being out there that created everything and controls everything and just loves us so much is a completely ridiculous thing to believe. Yet I say, I never know anybody who believed in God and lived to regret it. Since God is evil and suffering exists, there is no God that can exist because of evil and suffering. But I say that God is not the author of evil and suffering. He is the author and finisher of our faith. Since miracles contradict science, there cannot be a God. But because miracles are a supernatural existence in and of themselves, it does not matter that they contradict science. Evolution explains science, uh, everything about life. So why? Why would I believe that there is a God? I say if you believe in evolution, why don't we have four hands and six feet by now if we continue to evolve? It's offensive to claim that Jesus is the only way to God. But the Bible said that Jesus would offend before any atheist ever said it. A loving God would never torture people in hell. And I say, you're exactly right. God's never tortured anybody in hell. If you go to hell, you decided to. And Satan does all the torturing when you get there. Church history is littered with oppression and violence. I would also say you're exactly right. The church is littered with individuals who have been imperfect in their lives. And because we live in an imperfect human society, that doesn't mean that the church is exactly what it's supposed to be. But I'm not here to continue to talk about it. The negative, we're believers. And to further declare the affirmation to Christ as Judge Seals did, I stand on the fact that Jesus is alive and well. The proof is in him giving us joy and contentment. For the Bible says that the joy of the Lord is my strength. And just as Paul said, whether I abound or whether I abase, we are content. The proof is in him giving us uh, help through tough times. 
The proof is in him helping us to grow. For the Bible says that God is an ever-present help in the time of trouble. And we as the branches remaining connected in God, Jesus the vine, we will grow and we will produce fruit. The proof is in Jesus giving us a place, providing a place for us to cast our cares and to relax. For the Bible says, cast your cares on him because he cares for you. The proof is in Jesus bringing humility and service and love within us. The proof is in Jesus dying for us to provide us life which comes by faith and believing. Jesus gave us a blood transfusion. He is the only one who took our black heart and dipped it in his red blood and made us whiter than snow. Jesus is the one who provided us a heart transplant. The Bible says that we are now obedient from the heart in which he has given us. The Bible says that he has given us a radical brain surgery. We now have the mind of Christ. And since we have the mind of Christ, our minds are set on believing that one Friday evening, Jesus carried a cross up to a hill called Calvary via the Della Rosa. He allowed Roman soldiers to nail him to a cross. He hung on that cross. He bled on that cross. He died on that cross. But it did not stay on that cross. The cross did not kill him. Death could not hold him. The grave couldn't keep him. And he arose. I said he arose on the third day morning. And because he lives, we live. The word of God says it. I believe it. And that settles it. Amen. He's a king of the Jews. That's a racial king. He's a king of Israel. That's a national king. He's a king of righteousness. He's a king of the ages. He's a king of heaven. He's a king of glory. He's a king of kings. And he is a lord of lords. Now that's my king. Well, I wonder if you know him. Do you know him? Don't try to mislead me. Do you know my king? David said the heavens declare the glory of God and the firmament showeth his handiwork. My king is the only one whom there's no means of measure can define his limitless love. No far-seeing telescope can bring into visibility the coastline of his soulless supplies. No barriers can hinder him from pouring out his blessing. Well, well, he's enduringly strong. He's entirely sincere. He's eternally steadfast. He's immortally graceful. He's impurely powerful. He's impartially merciful. That's my king. He's God's son. He's a sinner's savior. He's the centerpiece of civilization. He stands alone in himself. He's august. He's unique. He's unparalleled. He's unprecedented. He's supreme. He's preeminent. Well, he's the loftiest idea in literature. He's the highest personality in philosophy. He's the supreme problem in high criticism. He's the fundamental doctrine of true theology. He's the cardinal necessity of spiritual religion. And that's my king. He's the miracle of the age. He's the superlative of everything good that you choose to call him. 
Well, he, he's the only one able to supply all of our needs simultaneously. He supplies strength for the weak. He's available for the tempted and the tried. He sympathizes and he saves. He star guards and he guides. He heals the sick. He cleans the lepers. He forgives sinners. He discharges debtors. He delivers the captives. He defends the feeble. He blesses the young. He serves the unfortunate. He regards the age. He rewards the diligent. And he beautifies the meek. Do you know him? Well, my king is a key of knowledge. He's a wellspring of wisdom. He's a doorway of deliverance. He's a pathway of peace. He's a roadway of righteousness. He's a highway of holiness. He's a gateway of glory. He's a master of the mighty. He's a captain of the conquerors. He's the head of the heroes. He's the leader of the legislators. He's the overseer of the overcomers. He's the governor of governors. He's a prince of princes. He's the king of kings. And he's the lord of lords. That's my king. Yeah. Yeah. That's my king. My king. Yeah. His office is manifold. His promise is sure. His life is matchless. His goodness is limitless. His mercy is everlasting. His love never changes. His word is enough. His grace is sufficient. His reign is righteous. His yoke is easy and his burden is light. Well, I wish I could describe him to you, but he, he's indescribable. He's indescribable. Yeah. He, he's incomprehensible. He's invincible. He's irresistible. I'm trying to tell you, the heavens of heavens cannot contain him, let alone a man explaining him. You can't get him out of your mind. You can't get him off of your hand. You can't outlive him, and you can't live without him. Well, Pharisees couldn't stand him, but they found out they couldn't stop him. Pilate couldn't find any fault in him. The witnesses couldn't get their testimonies to agree. Herod couldn't kill him. Death couldn't handle him. And the grave couldn't hold him. That's my king. Yeah. He always has been. And he always will be. I'm talking about he had no predecessor. And he'll have no successor. There was nobody before him, and there'll be nobody after him. You can't impeach him, and he's not going to resign. That's my Praise the Lord. That's my Time, time is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory. All the power belongs to my king. We around here talking about black power and white power and green power, but it's God's power. Time is the power. Yeah. And the glory. 
we try to get prestige and honor and glory for ourselves, but the glory is all His. Yes, thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever and ever and ever. How long is that? And ever and ever and ever and ever. And when you get through with all of the forevers, then amen. Want to share the good news? You can support Preacher Thing by sharing it with everyone using the share button. You can stay connected to Preacher Thing via Instagram, Facebook, YouTube, and various podcast streaming platforms. If you have any questions, comments, or concerns about what the gospel has done for you, message us or leave them in the comment section. You can also email us at preacherthink at gmo.com. Thanks for tuning in.